Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-Coms, the podcast made with one cup of cute meetings, a sprinkle of spontaneous dancing, and a teaspoon of tenacious heroines. We're your hosts. I'm Mia. And I'm Allie. For the month of November, we are re-releasing our tastiest episodes for P.S. I Love Rom-Coms' Thanksgiving podcast potluck. That's right. We are reserving up some of our steamiest, freshest, and filling episodes. I'd like to bring back an episode to the podcast potluck this week. And that episode is our Julie and Julia episode with guests Stevie Nelson and Dave Horwitz. In this episode, we discussed Nora Ephron's Julie and Julia starring Meryl Streep, Stanley Tucci, Amy Adams, and Chris Messina. We talked about Nora's love for cooking, Stanley and Meryl's incredible chemistry, and the problematic parts of Julie's storyline. One of my absolute favorite moments is when Allie starts to tell us about Julie's second less popular book, which is then followed up by Dave reading us a particularly scathing but hilarious review of that book. And then Stevie proceeds to read us a quotation from the book she has prepared and sends us a photo from said book. It still makes me laugh to this day. And it's one of those perfect podcasting moments that grows and grows. And Stevie and Dave are just so funny. And I love reliving the fun time that was this episode. And of course, the magical world of Julie and Julia. Oh, yeah, man. Even though this movie does have its imperfections, I love it. And I've well, I've rewatched it twice, but I will admit <laughs> one of the times was just the Meryl Street part. <laughs> oh my God, that's so smart. I'm going to do that at some point and just watch yeah. the Meryl Street parts. And just fast forward through the Julie parts. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so please enjoy this episode and know that this Thanksgiving, we are very thankful to you, our lovely listeners. And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on to find which rom-com is the best P.S. I love rom-coms I love rom-coms Hello and welcome to P.S. I love rom-coms the podcast about supposing, imposing, disclosing, composing, exposing and finally the one we're all waiting for proposing I'm Mia and I'm Allie P.S. I love rom-coms is a podcast where each week Mia and I much like the Greek king Sisyphus <laughs> attempts to solve the never-ending problem of finding which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time. Will we succeed this time or will we be back where we started with a big boulder at the bottom of a steep hill? Joining <laughs> <laughs> us today are the hosts of the popular food and relationship podcast, I Burn Everything. And if they were in a rom-com, they'd be overworked chefs at a five-star restaurant who have a new sexy sous chef walk into their kitchen who strips the menu and their love lives. Oh no, who stirs up the menu and their love lives. <laughs> oh, that was a little more racy. Um, let's give it up. <laughs> Let's give it up for the wonderful Dave Horowitz and Stevie Nelson. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Allie. Hi, Mia. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having Stevie and I on your romcast. Well, I love that. No one's ever said romcast before, and that that's ideal. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a podmance with a romcast. No, okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off. Hey, Dave, no, uh, Dave go ahead and log off. Yeah, go Steve, ahead. Stevie's got this one. Having you. It was so good okay. having you, Dave. Bye bye. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Now I'm just an overworked chef in my own kitchen waiting for that hot guy to strip down. <laughs> now, Dave and Stevie, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. Um, and I can start us off this week. Um, and I feel like I'm cheating, but it's true. Um, this week, the uh, uh, rom com heroine that I'm channeling is Julie Powell, the very same of the, of the person we watch. But guys, but guys, but guys, this is why. This is why. Um, I'm not. I'm not lazy. I I chose Julie Powell because, much like Julie, I feel like I'm a. I'm in a rut. You know, I, um, mm. every day kind of feels the same. And so I decided to spontaneously kind of take on this big project because I think, you know what, this big project is going to help me get out of this rut. And the project I decided that I was like, I have to do this. I just, I have to do this, um, is that I want to hike down 
into the basin of the Grand Canyon <gasps> um, and hike <laughs> and, and backpack throughout the Grand Canyon. I've never backpacked before. Huh. Um, I know nothing about camping. But, um, but all of a sudden, I just saw this picture and I was like, I gotta, I gotta go there. I, I got to do that. Um, well, it's good to start small. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And guys, everything I read about it is like experienced hikers only. And um, oh my God. And I, even today, I, today I, I went online and you have to like apply for a permit to hike in the Grand Canyon because Wait, they don't want, what? yeah, they don't want any like randos just climbing down there like me. Um, and so <laughs> I filled out a form and mailed it to um, a Flagstaff asking for a, a permit to camp in the Grand Canyon. Just Flagstaff in general. It's just, I just wrote Flagstaff in capital letters on top of the envelope. Sent it away. <laughs> Sent it away. Hey, this is my first time. I'm learning a lot. Um, I'm sure you'll go back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yes, um, that's who I'm channeling this week. Um, wow. Mia, yeah, it's it's a lot. I've I've been falling asleep to YouTube videos of people packing um, you know, their their backpacks full of um oh. uh backpacking goods and stuff. So that, that sounds really pleasant, actually. Yeah. You know, like just like having it all be in order and like you have everything you need. It's, that's really comforting. It is yeah, it's so comforting. I think Mia, that's why I, are I you listen a Virgo? to it. <laughs> no, I'm. Oh, I'm an Aquarius. Oh, okay. but I feel like that's close. Maybe. Yeah. Is it, are those similar? Yeah. Mia, who are you channeling this week? Okay, this week, and it's and it's pathetic because I always do this, where I always <laughs> compare myself to these like very high powered, busy rom com heroines, and the letdown <laughs> is always that like what I'm doing is not remotely similar. But um, it's about how I feel. I'm who I'm channeling. Um, so this week I am channeling. Um, the character Kate Reddy, played by Sarah Jessica Parker from the film I Don't Know How She Does It. Um, <laughs> she Wait, is that real? Yeah, it's yeah. <gasps> and her name is Kate Reddy. That's in, that's insane. I love, oh, I love that. that. Wow. Uh, but it's from this, this the rom com I Don't Know How She Does It, and it's about um, uh, she's like a finance woman. She's working in finance, and she can't be, like. Uh, balance all the day-to-day stuff and um so for me it's a little different i um i uh have temporarily um decamped from la back to portland oregon um with my family and um so that's been fun. I'm like having a great time. But uh, I like because I'm home, my parents are very much like, wait, why? I got, So I got my car hit like two years ago um, and I, it wasn't my fault, but I just haven't fixed it. So um, <laughs> I got home and they were like, like, go, please go fix your car. So right now it's like my car is in the shop. Um, I have uh, <laughs> I have to do a self tape later. My pregnant sister just came home for her. We're going to have like a, ba- a Zoom baby shower. And um, and I'm uh, also have assigned myself random tasks where I like <laughs> like this. So this morning I wake up and I feel like I'm like my car's in the shop. My sister's coming. I've got to um, I've got to <laughs> read this article about Jared Kushner. And so it's like she comes in, <laughs> she comes in the house. She's like, I'm here. And I was like, I hold up a finger. And I'm like, one second, I need to finish this article about Jared Kushner. Um, and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, feel like I'm a high powered businesswoman on Bluetooth being like, so sorry, two seconds, need to call State Farm and confirm. Um, <laughs> Stevie, who are you channeling? You know, I'm going to go with Kathleen Kelly, um, Meg Ryan from You've Got Mail. Oh my God. Oh. You know, that's the vibe of this week. That's kind of the vibe of my entire pandemic so far, actually. Um, I've strictly <laughs> been uh, reading books um, <gasps> that I've been trying to buy from smaller bookstores instead of uh, large corporations. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Amazon. Wow. Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bezos. It's me and Jeff Bezos having a romance. And um, <laughs> he's single. Uh, he's, he's single. For a good reason. And um, also just sort of corresponding with 
potential men via text all quarantine. So, <sighs> you know, I really relate to these like long drawn out emails and, um, you know, I, honestly, it's mostly just the reading of the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I also imagine you're always wearing like cute sweaters and like stylish khakis. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I hate to disappoint, but no. it's 95 degrees today and I'm wearing a sundress. <laughs> that's very Meg Ryan. It feels very Meg. Yeah, it feels very Meg. Yeah, that's very Meg. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Dave, who are you channeling this week? I only really, uh, you know, connect with one um, uh, rom-com leading man. And I feel like it's going to be pretty obvious, at least to Steve. But that is uh, Harry Burns from When Harry Met Sally. Um, <gasps> I knew it. For a few reasons. For a few reasons. I mean, one, the obvious reason. It's it's truly the only time. Uh, you know, and this is I aspire to be uh, to be this, but it's truly the only time there has been a, a fuckable Jew on screen in a romantic comedy. <laughs> it's absolutely. It's just. It's, it's been. A, it's a one and done. Uh, he tried to do it again and forget Paris, and he really shit the bed on that one. But. Um, <laughs> You know, he, I've been spending this whole quarantine just kind of like talking a lot, doing bits, amusing myself. Uh, and you know, when Stevie and I record the podcast, like our podcast, I'm sort of, uh, trying to engage with, impress, riff with, and make laugh a, uh, a sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, excitable, funny, uh, blonde woman. And that's, you know, sort of <laughs> what uh, Stevie is and the function that she serves in my life. So I just feel like. Uh, as much as I kind of embody that in my in my day to day life, my quarantine life has been really just uh, just Harry all the time. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, that's amazing. And also, when we started our podcast, we were like fully uh, messes, like going through you know breakups and being very uh, uh, you know wayward in our in our romantic and personal lives, and that's sort of where they find uh, each other in the beginning of the movie. Oh my god! Wait, so this <gasps> is like a one to one of yeah. Harry. Mm hmm. Do you guys call mm -hmm. each other while you watch Casablanca? Uh, we don't, we but we also <laughs> don't believe that men and women can be friends. <laughs> <laughs> you don't? What? what? No. And so we've decided it's, not to be yeah, friends. We're not friends, actually. We're, um, but we we're just are. We're, we're just co workers. And co workers, oh, okay. yeah. We're, <laughs> we're strictly business Strict. and. No fun unless we're on the podcast, but we're still just co-hosts. Yeah, still co-hosts. It's only business and it's a business that does not uh, earn us money. Yeah, free business. Yeah. But I'm open to that part changing. Stevie, what about you? I'm very open and agreeable, Dave. Okay, good. <laughs> and I think this is a little perfect transition because you guys are both channeling movies that are Nora Ephron vehicles. And so... Oh my God, you're right. Oh my God, yes, you're right. right. So I think that's a pretty good segue into our movie discussion this week. So this week, we watched the 2009 Nora Ephron classic, Julie and Julia. In this film, we jump back and forth in time between the lives of Julie Powell, played by Amy Adams, and Julia Childs, played by Meryl Streep. We watch Julia Childs in the 1950s learn how to cook at Le Cordon Bleu and publish her book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. We also see Julie Powell in 2002, who works at a call center for 9-11 attack victims while blogging about cooking her entire way through Julia's book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Julie and Julia was written and directed by Nora Ephron and was based on two books, My Life in France, Child's Autobiography, and a memoir by Powell, Julie and Julia, 365 Days, 524 Recipes, One Tiny Apartment Kitchen. Julie and Julia was Nora Ephron's last film before she passed away in 2012. RIP, Nora, we love you. We love you. Yes. So that is the rundown on Julie and Julia. Guys, uh, coming from a, a, a cooking and relationships podcast, what what were your first impressions of the film? And have you seen it before? Um, I had never seen it before. Had you, Stevie? I have. I saw it one time before this time. Oh, uh, I'd never oh. seen it before. I love, um, I love, I love me some Nora Ephron. It's kind of, it's interesting oh. that this, uh, like I thought about it in terms of decades. Cause like Harry met Sally, it wasn't exactly 1989, but it was like around there. And then you've got mail was huge. And that was around 98, 99. And then this was 2009 and, and it was her last one. And I got to say, it felt like 
half of a my my like real encapsulated thoughts are felt like half of a movie that I would I would be interested in seeing as in the, <laughs> the street part. I thought you know streets going real big for me. It felt a little bit like an SNL character rather than like a performance. But she she is the most charming woman who's ever lived. So I I like that and also. Justice for Stanley Tucci. I love anything. I love Meet Some Tucci. He's oh I love God. him with some pleated slacks, <laughs> getting investigated by the House Ways and Means Committee. I love watching him. Oh Are you a communist, Mr. Tucci? It doesn't matter because I love you. But um, I was I was truly not, and I'll keep my thoughts on this part short. But the the the, the Julie part of it, uh, my goodness, uh, it was a disaster for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, wow. Steve? All right. Well, you guys aren't going to love this, but I am like really on board with Dave. Okay, so it's the second time seeing <laughs> second time seeing it. Um I remember hating it the first time and uh this time was no different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's why you remember hating it. You're like, "Oh, I feel the exact same way. I feel like I felt These this way before." Honestly, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like when you dated someone and you're like, "That's so weird. Like 5 years have passed and you're like, "Why did we break up?" And then you run into them and you're like, "Oh, cuz they're fucking annoying." And you just are like <laughs> So that's what it felt like for me. Yeah, it was like really brought up some negative feelings. Um, yeah, it brought up a lot of <laughs> Terrible trauma. Um, I, I I think the same thing. I probably would have watched uh, a Julia Childs movie um, more readily. Love Tucci. Um, Amy Adams in this movie. If this was the only movie I saw her in, I would deem her unactable. Like I would be like, she should not act for a living. She should probably do something else. Um, but that's cr- right. I thought the same thing, but she's so good. Like she's always things. so good. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I chalk it up to the fact that she, maybe she was just trying to play what that woman was actually like. So maybe that woman was actually the worst. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I had trouble with the movie. I couldn't believe it got like a set, I think like a 77 or 70 on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was surprised it got so high. It was a hit. <laughs> it was a hit. It was a hit. But <laughs> this is hard. It's all hard. Hard for me to say because I love Nora Ephron, but I I truly hated this movie with a passion. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So for me, um, and this, and I know our voices sound similar, so this is Mia. So for me, um, I have seen this. This is probably my fifth time. Oh, seeing this movie! My god! Um, yeah. So I've probably seen it five times, and this I this is not my first time watching it this year, and. Um, <laughs> And I, you know, what's weird though, what I will totally agree on is the first time I saw it, I also hated the character of Julie Powell. And upon rewatching it, I, I, I love this movie, right? This movie is to me, it is, it is a warm bubble bath. It is salt and straw ice cream. It is, but I also watching it because, um, I've seen Amy Adams do so many good things lately. Like, is it called Nocturnal Animals with Jake Uh, Gyllenhaal? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh She's phenomenal in that. Her and her husband in this movie, Chris Messina, play lovers in Sharp Objects and are phenomenal <gasps> together. Yeah, she's the most so good in that. They're so good. And watching this back, I also was like, what the fuck is going on with <laughs> her interpretation of the character? Because <laughs> I just couldn't... I feel like I couldn't get like um, like two feet on the ground with her and like some of like the jargon she used was confusing and... I was like, she was like, I'm such a bitch. And it was, I was just like, none of it added up. And I was just like, I don't, I don't really get it. And I also didn't quite buy it, but, um, that part of it. But for me, uh, Meryl Streep and Stanley Tucci more mm-hmm. than, uh, make up for, and also I love <laughs> Amy Adams, but, um, for me it was, yeah, the love. And also I know Meryl Streep's can makes a choice in this movie. <laughs> and you, <laughs> that that is the nicest way to say that. Yeah, she she makes a choice and you either have to buy into it or not. And let me tell you, do I buy into it? Oh, my God. Yes, I buy in hard. And the whole movie, I am just absolutely like, what do they call? I'm besotted by her and Stanley Tucci for the entire movie. Um, so that's me, Allie. <laughs> um, so I have seen this movie probably eight times um, <laughs> I 
this movie is a little kitten for me. So comforting, <laughs> purring, reassuring. This movie is Christmas morning. It's it's that it's that you know tried and true. It's my comfort blanket. It's my baby blanket. Oh, I um. <laughs> I, I, you know, what you guys are saying, I understand. I understand where everyone's coming from. I said I've seen this movie eight times. I've actually seen it more like nine times or ten (laughs) times. But like two of those times, I just watched the Meryl Streep part. And I literally would just, (laughs) I would just kind of edit the movie myself in which I would watch a Meryl Streep chunk fast forward through the Julie part, watch some more Meryl Streep, Stanley Tucci, fast forward through uh, Julie having tantrums and then like go to, you know, that beautiful Valentine's Day scene where oh my um, God. Stanley Wait, Tucci. It sounds like we're saying the same thing. It sounds like there's some staunch anti-Julie <laughs> chunk people here. And we're, look, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to stir the pot. I don't mean to stir the boof bourguignon here, but guys, Guys, what I'm hearing is that, that we've got some Tucci and Streep lovers, which is totally natural to feel that way. And we've got some Amy Adams detractors. And that doesn't mean we don't love her. That doesn't mean that we didn't think she was cute in The Muppets or we liked her in Sharp Object. Like, she, she, she's, she's not bringing it in this movie. No, 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 no. Okay, but no, this is so that's I I used to be I used to be a Meryl or Bust kind of gal. But guys, who am I channeling this week? I'm channeling Julie. I think whilst why sometimes I don't like Julie's character is because personally I see myself as Julie, as this kind of like sad, whiny. <laughs> bitchy woman who's unhappy with her life who's just like trying to figure out a way to like crawl out of this strange sad life okay this is sounding dark my life is fine but like that <laughs> she's found herself in and so like as i get older like i understand julie's character more and i find myself relating to her more and like mm. do i enjoy you know, watching her uh, <laughs> chunks of the movie. No, but no. I, I appreciate no. hard. No, but appreciate it. What was the one of the first things I did when I was in quarantine, guys? I made beef bouillon. <gasps> Whoa! You did? Did you burn I it? No, because I'm <laughs> you know uh, because I'm a real chef. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's oh. my broad strokes on the film wow and you know what i think it is personally i think it's that she has very little agency she feels a little bit like zoe deschanel's character in new girl where it's like oh my god she's kind of a victim to the world and like it just it feels a little like she's not in her power and i'm okay with messy characters i love a messy character but what i Mm -hmm. don't like is um a woman who's like mean to her partner kind of like I don't know. She just comes across as kind of like an immature baby to me. I'll jump on because we have been talking about Julie Powell's character a lot. And she is a real woman. And I did a little bit of research on her that I think kind of like continues to shine a light on basically what we've already been saying, which is, you know, maybe (laughs) she's not, you know, everyone's different and we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. But, you know, um, okay. You know, maybe you know yeah. she has some pro- she has some problems. Like we all have problems. I'm so excited. Has- I feel like I know what you're gonna say. I'm so excited. Oh, okay, so Julia Powell, or sorry, Julie Powell, um, after um, her first book came out with the second book called Cleaving: A Story of Marriage, Meat, and Obsession, um, and it details her experiences about um, kind of learning how to butcher at uh, Flesher's Butcher Shop in uh, Kingston, New York. And the effects of affairs by both her and her husband on their marriage. Um, And the work received several negative reviews um, based on the content of the book and Powell's openness about the affairs. So, okay, this does show a little bit more like... That sentence that I read also from uh, the other day made me laugh so hard because... I'm sorry to jump in, but the fact that it said, like, they, they didn't... You know, the, it received bad bad reviews because you know it's a it's a whole book about how she cheated on her husband, which I'm sure you're about to go into. But it also said the content of the book, which means they it were like it received bad reviews because it was poorly written and because of what it was about. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. 
Oh, I'm reading this. Um, I'm reading a article about her book and this is a quote from it which is so horrific um <laughs> oh my god well there's a this percentage which i myself shared before i began apprenticeship that butchery is about violence hacking and rend- rending and brute strength but it's not that at all butchering <laughs> is a delicate craft Oh. oh man, she's a psychopath. No, <laughs> no. You know, it is interesting. Wait. She does seem a little bit, a little bit self-centered. And who of us, you know, we all mm. are self-centered at times. But um, yes, it's very. Um, there is kind of like a me, 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 me kind yes. of um, feeling about Julie. I also just um, emailed everybody oh. a picture of her butchering stuff. If you want to see, so yeah. So I just got the picture. Uh, <laughs> I'm like cry laughing. I gotta say, <laughs> it's pretty upsetting. It's, pretty, it's a pretty upsetting picture. I, I mean, honestly, I'm a photographer and I don't know how you would get that kind of shadowing on someone's face. <laughs> Can we talk just really quickly about, uh, you know, I know we've talked about it a little bit and that she's no longer with us and she's great, but I think that Nora Ephron is so fantastic when she's like firing all cylinders obviously when harry met sally is you know one of the best to ever do it and i think like this movie is a little tricky for a couple reasons one and i'll put this to you because it's the subject of your podcast i'm not totally sure that this is technically a rom-com in in the traditional Mm -hmm. sense but then also i think that her source material like was rough i haven't read the memoir but i think like some of the stuff kind of becomes a little clearer to me when I kind of backtrack and learn about the woman in real life, like parts of the movie where a character is like, you're a bitch. And she's like, I'm a bitch, aren't I? It's like, well, yeah, you're a bitch, but she's not really acting that way. And she's not really written that way, but it almost seems like there's parts of the book that suggest that. And then parts of maybe her meeting her in real life or a conversation she had with Nora Ephron before Mm. she started writing it. So it just seems like she was trying to cram a lot into it. And like, who knows if there was a better julia child only movie in this or if there is like a it just seems like a very weird i think she was handed something on a silver platter of like isn't this an amazing idea like this woman did this thing and it lines up perfectly and julia child had this beautiful love story with her uh with her husband paul that you can like kind of counterbalance it with and then once you're in the thick of it you're writing a story and you're like wait this woman like feels bad because the people who were affected by 9-11 are mean to her on the phone so then she <laughs> just tortures herself about starting a blog but then okay wait let's just flash back to 1951 like but like while we still can like that that's kind of the vibe i got like i yeah. it, it, what i'm trying to say is that i think Nora efron is perfect and blameless me too me too actually i don't think this is her fault Nora Ephron's second love is cooking. So I totally see why she picked up this story. Mm -hmm. I also, while watching it, was like, oh, is this a rom-com? But for me, what made it a rom-com, and it's not in the traditional sense, but was that... So first of all, Nora Ephron. So I was like, okay, the the reason why I'm like compartmentalizing it as one is that it's written, directed by Nora Ephron. And um, for whatever intangible reason, it gives me the same uh, fantasy and comfort of a Mm. rom-com, specifically julia child's parts Mm. but we can definitely get into whether or not it is because i also felt confused yeah yeah. i that was the thought i had when we were like choosing this movie was like oh (laughs) is this a rom-com because in my mind i i do i always categorize it as one but uh it's it's not structured like one at all because they both already have you know the loves of their life, um, both Julie and Julia, um, except I guess not Julie since she um, cheats on him. Um, but um, they're still together. They're, they're still together. They're yeah. still together. Uh, oh, wow. But um, I think it's more, and like this is, you know, we're getting a little gray area, which we like. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, like which is, uh, <laughs> is it a romance with food? Because Nora Ephron talks about her love of food all the time. And it, and it's both of these women, both of these women kind of not falling in love with men, but um, falling in love with cooking and how <sighs> cooking transforms their lives. And like cooking, there's ups and downs. Like you, you gain weight, you spill, you burn <laughs> your beef bouillon, you drop <laughs> your chicken on the ground. Um, but that. They kind of go through that, the typical arc you would go through in a rom-com instead of with a man, um, with a stew. Mm. Uh, I like like that. I like the parallel, but I have a counter argument here. Excellent. Okay. We love. So I I would, 
I wish it was a romance with food, right? Like I wish that was the case. But in in the case of Julie, it felt like she was resentful and angry 90% of the time she was cooking. Like it didn't seem like she fell mm-hmm. in love with food. It seemed like she fell in love with the idea of having a popular blog. And yeah. instead of falling in love with food, because I would have really liked to see her actually enjoy the process. Like to me, it's a very weird thing to have completed something and have hated it the whole way through. Um, and oh, that's Ju- a good point. You know, and yeah. Julia Child, I mean, it's no different than how she behaves in her relationship. So I guess in some ways it's like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. She ten- she's not super appreciative or present in her relationship either. Um, but Julia Child yeah. too, it's like... I. I it really enjoyed the parts where Julia Child was cooking, right? I love when she was like chop, mm. like doing all the things like chopping the onions and like competing with all the dudes. I would have watched a whole movie that was just that though, because yeah. I felt like Same. I felt like I didn't see enough of them falling in love with the process. Even even Julia Child, like she could have fallen more in love with the process, and I, I would have watched more of that. I guess the ending I would have wanted for her is for her to realize, like you know what. I don't need this blog. Like this was Mm, never about this blog. It was always about, you know, the food and cooking for other people. I totally agree. Looking back on the movie, I'm like the story of Julia Child in the movie and in real life, it's it's incredible, right? Like it's this woman who's like so unique, Mm. so unusual. She stands out like a sore thumb and she like, you can see she's already like done work in her life to take that on and be fearless. And then you, you watch that be challenged in France and watch her like demand to be like respected and counted and to follow her passions. And then like she goes through many ups and downs, like with the book and not being published. Um, and it, you really watch like a, like a unique person pers- persevere despite um, all of the things in her way and all the people that discounted her and even like up against communism. So it really, that like really covers every level of in her life and her story. But by the end, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that Julie Powell, Group. She didn't, right? Anything. Didn't doesn't it? But just got what yeah, she wanted. It feels, <laughs> yeah, it feels like she, <laughs> she got a book deal. the whole time, had no agency, mm. and then finally got. It's like contingency happiness. It's just some. It's a story none of us want to watch. Yeah, and it was. I almost feel like reading reading it. I'm like, oh, did, did Nora Ephron see that and write it that way? And then did Amy Adams like try her best to make the character seem like nicer? And then it just felt confusing oh that's possible too because who if, if you're in if you're positioned to be in this mm. like big charming rom-com director's movie which you know she didn't know was gonna be her last one but if you get that role and you get the script I, yeah i wonder if she went over it and was like <laughs> well there's not that much where i kind of get <laughs> to do my fun charming thing but is there a way i can do it is this scene where i like try to shove stuffing back into a chicken I like <laughs> petulantly dropped on the floor like can I make this yeah. lovable and no. unfortunately the answer also, was even, in like, my opinion casting no Amy Adams was probably strategic where it's like let's try to make this woman more likable let's cast cute little Amy Adams oh. this could have just mm-hmm. been Julie Powell's haircut at the time but did they give her a Meg Ryan haircut yeah from the 90s oh. <laughs> yeah oh. I, think they, I also think they could have just forgotten about what her hair looked like and did something that maybe we could like <laughs> i think it's a, it's a very unlikable haircut yeah oh, it was the, the hair is always <laughs> i always bump against the hair and i'm like it must have just been what her hair was at the time but now i'm like did, was that a trying to make it like Meg Ryan? Oh, it might have been. No, this is just a little fun fact I read, which was that um, during during the film, um, uh, Nora required all of the actors to actually eat the meals for real. Um, you know, as oh you know, uh, if any of our listeners aren't actors, sometimes actors no. have spit buckets and you can spit the food you're eating <laughs> into them or you just kind of play with your food on the plate, but you don't actually mm-hmm. eat it. But no, no, no. Yeah. Nora Ephron insisted that the actors um, eat uh, the food for real and to play on how tasty the dishes were so much so that Meryl Streep gained 15 pounds while <laughs> this movie. Oh my God. Yay. Um, I also, oh, in, that's so funny. That makes sense because the chewing noises were really like cr- really cringy for me. Like I was having trouble getting through. I don't, I wouldn't say I have misophonia, but I, I mean, maybe after this movie, it's the chewing noises were aggressive and the kissing noises in this movie. I feel like sound department was like, 
crank it up. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it was a little much. It made sense that they were actually eating. Sp- speaking of the direction and the intimacy, can we get in to Julia and Paul's marriage? Aww. Because yeah. it's the sweetest. It yes. <laughs> It is the the best. And there's this Nora Ephron documentary at, that came out after she passed. And it talks about... We talk about a lot on the pod how Nora Ephron was married three times. And her friends in the documentary say that she modeled Paul and Julia's marriage off of her marriage to her third husband. Oh, oh wow. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and there were so many amazing moments in the Julia Child side of this film. And my my favorite scene in the whole film, maybe, but definitely um, of this relationship is right in the beginning when they're eating the fish. Mm-hmm. It's like right at the <laughs> beginning and Julia's like eating a fish and she's just like to Paul, she's like, it's just, and he's just like, I know. And she's just mm-hmm. like emoting and they're just like, mm-hmm. I know, I know. <laughs> and they do that the whole time. Mm, I love them. They kind of, I mean, honestly, that, that chemistry and the interplay between them and just, and obviously, you know, it's it's hard to go wrong trying to recreate Paris and all the all the great food she's making. But, you know, I, look, I, it's it's funny because I, I do want to speak a, a little bit in in um in defense a little bit just because it, it is that half of the movie is like really pleasant almost the, the entire time. Mm-hmm. But I think the the time frame and the actors that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting everyone dressed like mm-hmm. shit in 2003 uh you know a queen's <laughs> apartment is like not very attractive like you're basically going from the most beautiful time and place with the mm-hmm. most beautiful costumes to a weird haircut and like weird glasses and like boot cut <laughs> like flared jeans and like a weird like the only thing that was missing was like Such a, a studded like a black uh like american apparel belt or something oh like it was, it was yeah. it was very rough but everything in in in, in paris especially i just i was couldn't get over how uh, horny the Tooch was like we got it we had a real a real Randy Tucci just grabbing it at Julia at all times and I loved it and I loved what the scene where he describes something as tangy and she's like that's why I married him (laughs) (laughs) yeah their relationship is so sweet in this movie and their their real life photos are so beautiful too if you look up um, Julia Child and Paul Cushing they're the photos they have together you can see how much they love each other. They're a team. Yeah. They feel like a yeah. team. I really like that part of the movie. I wish that was the whole movie, honestly. I'm looking at pictures right now. Oh, I'm Aren't seeing the ones sweet? that they recreated. Yeah. Wow. That's so nice. Sweet, right? We already love these people and we're saying we want a full movie. And guys, okay, so I read this as well and I was like, oh, this, I mean, these two people were so interesting like julia and paul were so interesting like in the during that valentine's day dinner scene they hint and they're like oh "Oh, are these you know were you guys spies (laughs) um and in the movie they're like no no and they kind of like wink a little bit um but they were spies in real life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So a guy that's from IMDb and it said, um, at the time the modern half of the film was set, uh, the child's wartime files had not been declassified. But by the time the film itself was made, their records had been made public and it was revealed that Julia had served as a top secret researcher for the OSS. And Yo. so like, yeah. Yeah, like what an interesting woman. She's lived so many lives within her one life. And like, yeah, I guess I she totally could have had a whole movie to herself. Um, So we need that. We need that Paul Cushing, Julia Child wartime spy movie. Right. Oh, yeah. Great idea. Yeah, we need it. And then the war ends and we and then we remake. um julie and julia with just julia yeah it's a two it's a two two halves it's the it's the wartime part and then yeah yeah perfect and then and then you flash forward to 2003 and there's a title card that says julie powell never wrote a blog the end (laughs) (laughs) and i i just really connect and love the story of julia child how she is with stanley tucci and how she is with her sister Mm -hmm. where um it's so heartwarming and it's just these like women being fearless and like having also like um like unconditional self-love in face of a world that um like might not be super accepting yeah uh like i love that scene where her and her sister are looking in the mirror and she's like pretty good 
but not <laughs> and they like start laughing mm-hmm. I laughed so hard and I'm just like there's it's so much pure love and like self-respect in this movie and that story and I could spend hours in it Jane Lynch was freaking incredible by the way she went she for it. it oh my yeah, god yeah I love that yes and we, we talk we've talked a little bit about like did Meryl and maybe you know Jane Lynch overact um did it seem like Meryl Streep was getting the Heimlich every time she talked to anybody because she kept you know jolting forward when talking to people um and what I will say to that is that's very like my family like my family um uh especially on my mom's side we are loud we are big we are vocal and we we wave our arms and we and we when we see each other we do exactly what they do we scream and we go <laughs> and that's you know sorry for anybody's ears um for just screaming i should have given a little warning but um man i i get those women i was gonna ask do you ali mia think that and i was just thinking in terms of the the julia and paul side um and i guess the the inclusion of, of the of her sister played by jane lynch it seems like because I'm now thinking of what makes a rom-com a rom-com and you know, the other side of it, maybe it dips a little bit more into that territory, but you're right that they have their partners uh, already when the movie begins, but there's no sort of, um, you know, uh, the best rom-coms do it well, the worst ones you see it coming a mile away, but there's no moment in Julian Paul's Mm -hmm. relationship, except for a slight moment where they seemed, I mean, you know, she finds out her sister's pregnant and it's, you know, very, very uh, Mm. delicately put out there that she can't have kids for they can't for some reason. Um, But it's a bit of a sad moment. But besides that, there's no she's not like she's excited to see her sister. They have a great visit together. Um, She introduces him to some uh, her to someone. She meets someone else. They fall in love. She leaves. They had a great visit. Her relationship with Paul is like they have a great time. He supports her her cooking. Mm. Uh, they have a great they throw great dinner parties they were spies together they have a lot of sex <laughs> like it just it seems like it sort of subverts uh, the the expectation a little bit of you know there is no kind of I guess Julie gets that moment where she throws Paul out because he correctly tell or he t- throws Eric out for for correctly uh, saying that she's being <laughs> selfish about her blog uh but then takes him back immediately i mean it's kind of interesting because it's sort of it it has the look and sheen and maybe like score of a rom-com but then when you get down to it you're like oh you're not really hitting the same beats you know what i just now this second made up my mind about what it is <gasps> having you hearing you ask oh. this question oh Dave. and this is show for me this is the really this is the element of the rom-com that's in it and i think it's tricky because it's only like 33 percent of the story but in we see this in movies like we just depend it like beckham and in that movie it's it follows all of the structure of a rom-com and there is a romance but the elements of the rom-com is between jess's character and soccer mm. and then there is like a coach ro- romance that happens but it's it, it's it was interesting because it really followed the rom-com formula but with soccer and in this i think the part to me that feels most like a rom-com because i agree it neither of the romantic relationships fit the bill for me is julia's pursue like her pursuing her life's work and cooking and that's the stuff to me that we see like a, like maybe i see a little bit more of the structure of the rom-com in terms of like the end being like the ending fake out where it's like oh it's not going to happen and then it does happen um oh yeah, yeah but that's like that's her book's me, not going to yeah, be published oh wait yes it is i think that works that's really nice and tell me if it's a stretch but to me looking back on it because i'm like I am conflicted about it, but that's the part to me that felt the most um, of what I like in a rom-com, mm. you know, which is the, 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 the sort of like, will they, won't they? Um, will she learn to cook? Will she be like lauded for her cooking? She's like, goes up against uh, the, the head of the um, uh, Le Cordon Bleu. Who's like, you're, you'll never be a cook or there'll be a serious cook. And <laughs> yeah. She just turns her nose up at, at the woman. And yeah, I think, I think that journey definitely tracks because by the end, not only has she proven to her, you know, friends and family that she's great in the kitchen, but she's, uh, you know, lauded by her two uh, friends who she's making the cookbook with and her publisher and her pen pal. And mm-hmm. it seems like, yeah, she comes out on the other end uh, with this like long lasting legacy. And they, they only kind of hint at it a little bit when Paul says, I think you'd be great on television. But yeah, then she has a whole like oh. several decade long stint on television, which yeah. the only time you see any piece of it is when you... The, the what I think is the weirdest scene in the movie is where uh, Julie and Eric watch 
truly the entirety of the Dan Aykroyd uh, Julia Child <laughs> sketch, which I remember from when I was a kid, and I oh didn't really God. even understand the joke. It's just like it's a half-assed Julia Child impression where she cuts her finger. And the thing that I thought was like, honestly, <laughs> the whole movie is kind of crazy to me. But the craziest part to me is that they are laughing hysterically at the setup to that sketch. So it's like. Oh, the I funny know. part is she cuts her finger and she's bleeding everywhere and she's like, I need to go to the hospital and she like passes out and then it ends. But her just being like, hello, I'm Julia Child. They're like, oh my oh, God, he's doing an impression. No. <laughs> and the words, the words they repeated from that sketch were the most cringe to me. Because they oh would just God, like pick a too. random word he said and be like, on the table. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no couple, no couple does this. Nobody, nobody, <laughs> no. that's no one's favorite part. So, so honestly, like imagine if you were in a relationship and you're watching a sketch and someone or cooking show and someone's repeating the <laughs> phrases over and over again. And, and then all of a sudden your boyfriend starts doing it. And like, I honestly think that w- that is my nightmare. <laughs> but what if it was Christmas, Zena? Could he get away with it? I mean, that's a good looking man. No. Wow. <laughs> Made of stone. Made of stone, yeah. Ice queen. <laughs> Dave, you brought up the good point of, is this a rom-com? And I think maybe a, mm-hmm. a good way to further delve into this question is by counting out the rom-com tropes we saw in this movie. Maybe a good way to continue that discussion. Um, And in this part of the pod, yeah, me and I just like point out uh, popular rom-com tropes uh, that we see in the movie that we have just watched. Um, And I will admit there were, I did not uh, catch that many tropes um it was hard it was hard i i'll start off with the ones i've seen which is like um uh amy adams's husband works in print media so we have a character working in print media he works Mm -hmm. at like archaeology like a magazine for archaeology, I think. And then we could maybe argue that, you know, she's a writer uh, for her blog and there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of print media there. Um, I would argue that, um, that Julie has a grand gesture when she writes that kind of um, half-hearted blog post about her husband and missing her (laughs) husband. Um, And then she does this grand gesture and then he like comes back and he's like, what's for dinner? Uh, um, He doesn't say it like that, but um, but, like, he's such a little hungry dog in this movie. He's like, he's, he's a steal and bites the whole time. Just sticking his his hand in the stew and grabbing a carrot and taking a bite out of the cake. I'd be so mad if someone took a bite out of the case. I would <laughs> lose my mind. <laughs> um, so one, okay. And then, and then I go off a little bit, which, okay. There's um, twice, maybe even three times. There's a, uh, they start to make out. Um, uh, there's a scene where um, Julie and Eric start to make out and then they hard cut to Julie's in bed reading a book with a very weird nightgown on. So we cut out the middle part of sex. Um, it's just uh-huh. making out That's to terrible. reading a book in your nightgown. Um, <laughs> um, and then I think the um, uh, then I have two that I'm pitching and I would argue that maybe there's like sort of a meet cute at the end where Julie and Julia kind of, you know, sort of meet cute when, you know, through time and space when Julie goes to her, I'm not even believing this, but I'm going to try to sell it. <laughs> when she goes to, you know, Julia's, you know, museum kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. It's kind of like sleepless in Seattle, you know, like the whole time, you know, this one character is kind of like creepily stalking the other character. And then at the end they, you know, meet at an important location. <laughs> oh, that's a rough pitch. Okay, no one's buying it. That's okay. <laughs> it started strong, and then the more we got into it, the more the more I couldn't couldn't Hon- do it. Honestly, I, I, I couldn't even follow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair, fair. That's a stretch. I really appreciate the honesty. I think I, I think I picked up on one. <gasps> There's not. Well, actually, the, oh no, there's oh there's two, and and uh, and it's kind of sad. They're both taken from uh, they. Have you guys seen they came together? 
No. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's like a very savage parody of every rom com, but it's it's they, they <laughs> two of the ones so two of the ones that I picked out from here is there's there's a, a like um a, a friend character who's like girl you got to make sure you blah 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 and that's like Mary Lynn Rice Cubs character. However, she doesn't really <laughs> say or do anything like. <laughs> Usually in those movies, it's like, uh, you know, that character would be like, girl, you got to get out there and like date and like, don't, don't worry about this, this guy who's whatever, like, I'm going to help you set up the premise yeah. of the movie. But this time she just kind yeah. of shows up and, and stands there like she's going to do that. Like they, they're seen at the bookstore is incredibly like one of those scenes. Cause it would be normally like, <laughs> I can't believe he hasn't texted me back. Oh, well here, you need to read this book. And it'd be some like, it's usually like Judy Greer or like Sarah Silverman has a bunch of those roles. Um, yeah. yeah, it's Judy Greer. Yeah. But, it's Judy but Greer. then the other one, sadly, uh, is like a uh, person of color with like zero agency who's a friend. And, so, and she has like a co-worker yeah. who, um, oh, yeah. who they, I think, high five once. And then they're like, she she mess she like notices that Amy's blog is doing well or something. And they like share a moment. But yeah. she's never uh, at any of the hangouts at her at like julie's house <laughs> like they're just strictly yeah. work friends and we don't know her name and we mostly just see the back of her head so that, um, yeah those are both solid those are both <laughs> solid um unfortunately same i only had like the like some of the worst tropes which were yeah i had black best friend and then i had both of the couples are straight and white oh you know what i had and you guys can shut this down or not but i had um, a tough business lady making deals where in the beginning her friend is like go up to one nine Go up to go up to two five, and I do feel like in rom coms they like to show powerful business women always have them just like <laughs> saying random numbers. Oh, that's very funny. That scene was yes. that scene was absolutely. We, we haven't talked at all about that scene. It's one of the first things that happens. That's one oh of the craziest God. things that happens in the whole movie. Where like they they take a character that would just normally be like one friend and they make it four people who are exactly the same or three people <laughs> yeah. who are exactly the same. And it's oh like God. oh my God, I just signed a one million dollar deal. I just signed a two million dollar deal. I just signed four five million deals what about you julie and she's like i just ate a bagel i don't know yeah yeah it's really, it's really nuts and like and how um how like snarky julie is when her friend's like i just wish i could like be my own secretary or whatever that woman says and she's like you can yeah. and i was like oh my god oh yeah <laughs> just fire your secretary and don't hire another one yeah and i was like Oh my god! This if this woman was my friend, I'd be like, "You're mean. You're yeah, a mean." Yeah, but then her person. friends like, but then her friends like, "Julie, you don't get it." Or you whatever. don't She's get like, it, There's Julie. You're too poor to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was. I have one trope that I I don't know if you guys touched on or not. Um, like the grand declaration when Julie. Um, decide like de declares that she's going to do a blog. I feel like that's a very rom com trope, like having a declaration of sorts. Oh sure. I agree. Because I mean, in so many of like the Hallmark ones or the Netflix ones, it's like, I'm going to a small town. Mm -hmm. I have to go to mm -hmm. a small town and, yeah. and, and, and open an inn. Every Reese then, Witherspoon um, movie is um, her just going back to a small town. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're also all called oh, the, the same things like Home Again, Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, yeah, she moves home. Or they're all just like, like flowery. Um, there's like a new rom-com TV show on Netflix called like Magnolia mm -hmm. Springs or something. <gasps> yes. Oh, wow. Those like flower, flower nature yeah. names. Love Azalea them. Grove. Uh, oh, beautiful <laughs> day. That's mine. I've, uh, that's so funny because I was like, oh, that sounds good. I'd watch that. <laughs> so we ended up with nine tropes in this, which is, is on the lower end, which makes sense because we were all sort of a little on the edge of whether or not this was a rom-com. Um, and also not a lot of the fun tropes. We had a lot of like the more disappointing mm -hmm. tropes, but you can't win them all. Do. Can't win them all. Now it is time to rate this rom-com. So in this segment, we decide um, how we feel about this rom-com. And so here at PSI Love Rom-Coms, we have an ever-changing list of our top five rom-coms. This list started off with the top five highest grossing rom-coms of all time. But over the last couple of months, as we've watched more and more films, we voted some in, some off, um, and uh, the list has changed. And the only one that was on the original top grossing that uh, we voted to keep on with my big factory wedding because you know of course um so the current list of top five rom-coms are uh notting hill hitch love and basketball bend it like beckham and my big factory wedding so 
Now, if we so choose today, we can put Julie and Julia on that list, but we all have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. Um, so you guys, what do you think? Does Julie and Julia deserve a spot on the top five list? And if so, who should it knock off? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> a resounding and uniform and synchronized no. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. It, it, It'll be a no for me as well. Because um, I think we already have one on the list that is like all of these are straight rom coms except for Bend It Like Beckham. It is, it does follow the structure really tightly, but it is that, th- that thing we're talking about where it's sort of um, the like the beloved is more like soccer. And then, um, so yeah, I'm sort of like this, mo- this movie doesn't like quite hold water as a, as like a traditional rom-com. Um, and we all obviously take issue with ju- the Julie Powell's part of the story. Um, but you know what I'll say is I'm seen it, uh, seen it five times, probably seen it another five times. Uh, great, great movie to disappear into the food stuff's amazing. Julia Childs. Um, if you are into Meryl Streep's performance, which I am <laughs> is delightful. <laughs> so yes. So a no from me, but I, um, I like it. What if I was like, Big yes. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I I agree with you guys. While I love love this movie, um, I I agree that it's you know like we've all like we've been talking about this whole time. Like if it was you know the movie if the movie was just called Julia and it was you know a whole hour shorter and it was just Meryl Streep. Oh boy, would I be putting it on that top five list? Mm-hmm. But um, there's a whole other hour that um, is problematic, and so a <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, whole other hour about a narcissist. Um, oops, a little bit spicy there. Got a little bit spicy. Ooh, shots fired! Shots but you know what fired. we have to say? It's 2020, and we have to call out narcissism where we see it. And we see it. Y'all. I'm being a hero, um, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it is also a no from me. All right. Wow. Well, unanimous, and I won't lose sleep over that. <laughs> also, probably one of our quickest, <laughs> our quickest. Um, <laughs> I think the only one that we voted no um, even faster on was the '80s rom com Mannequin. <laughs> Man, I, can't. Uh, I love that movie. That movie is great. <laughs> it is good. Uh, I love Mannequin. Yes, Ali agrees that it's yeah. good. <laughs> no one else did. Though, I mean, so. I, I remember watching it as a kid. What a great movie, but definitely shouldn't be on your list. <laughs> it, it, no, it didn't yeah. even make it. Yeah. Um, uh, guys, uh, now this uh, leads us into our last segment, uh, which is reality check. So in this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices and the rom-coms we've just watched to see if they hold up in the real world. Uh, Now, as we just mentioned, in Julia and Julia, there aren't a whole lot of tropes. So instead, I kind of wanted to instead dive into this relationship that Julie feels to Julia. So she has this really strong connection with her, even though she's never met her before. Um, and this connection uh, inspires Julie to take charge of her life. Um, also that in her selfishness, but also inspired <laughs> by Julia. Um, so this is not really a trope, but it's more of a theme. And we've seen this in another Nora Ephron rom-com like Sleepless in Seattle. And now I'm just wondering, you know, um, have any of us ever had a person that has really inspired us and made a large impact on our lives, even though we've never met them. I mean, yeah, mine is like probably more of like a, a, a younger kid version. But it, like when I was a kid, I think like Steve Martin really did it for me in oh, terms of wow. like a little amazing, little dweeby me being like, I think I like silly stuff and just really delving into like everything he he uh he ever did and and you know i didn't it's it's less a one-to-one because i didn't follow anything he did to a t uh but i did kind of absorb everything like a sponge and i've seen pretty much all he all he's done even including the really uh unwatchable stuff so i feel like i'm on uh <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, he, he's as close to my julia child as i'm gonna get um, this is going to take a dark turn. Um, as a kid, I, I, as a kid, I was like very, I, I'm a Jewish woman and I was very obsessed with Anne Frank. And um, mm. 
I loved reading her diary and it inspired me to keep a diary. And I still do today. Although I will say that I lived very little parallel to her life and hope that I never have to. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great that your uh, story didn't end the way hers did. (laughs) Well, I oh no, I, I feel like I turned this. <laughs> no, 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 Stevie, Stevie, I, I completely it's like. Well, that's the podcast. Oh unfortunately. <laughs> I no, I um, I also remember reading Anne Frank's diary and feeling like feeling like she was like my friend, even though yeah. I never you know met her. It's just like oh my god, like I feel like if we met, we would be friends, and like um. I feel like the person who I feel like that with is like Jane Austen, where Ooh, I yeah. know, oh God, I Emily. know, and I know so many women feel this way and men. Um, but like, I know if I met Jane Austen, we would be best friends and we would go to dances and, and laugh and have such a good time. And I, yeah. And like, I, and, J- and Jane Austen, like, like Nora Ephron, never you know wrote all these beautiful love stories and had all this amazing like philosophy about like love and relationships and and class and just so many different things and um but she herself never found love and uh Mm. um you know it's an interesting parallel between them too like Nora Ephron mm. and Jane Austen they're both essentially like anthropologists and even Anne Frank like they're they're yeah. anthropologists. They observe other human behavior and then relay it through words and pictures. And it's like, it makes sense that we would feel close to them. Yeah. And Mia, did yeah. you have anybody who you like? Yes. Oh, I had a few. I had a few, but the one that I'll say for this is because I think it's the one that has like informed um, like the way I go about my career the most and how like was sort of my like guiding light was mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. That is good. And it was this thing where when I was in high school, it was always my like deepest, deepest like um, secret like uh, desire to do comedy. But I just never had access to it, and I also yeah. um, never felt funny or it's like I, I didn't have like a common sense of humor with others <laughs> it, I felt that way it probably wasn't true and my friends now were like oh no you were so funny but at the time I really I didn't always feel that way and I remember when Kristen Wiig got on Saturday Night Live I was just like this yes like oh that that's what I think mm-hmm. is funny and it's like oh and she thinks that's funny too and then um I was able, like, one of my best, uh, someone, oh, this one person who became my best friend in high school also thought she was so funny. And it was like, it like opened this world to me of being like, uh, oh, okay. So this point of view is valuable and there is something here. And like, really, really, like, gave me like um, more confidence to like try to pursue that. I got to the point where I did like research her career and exactly what she did. And she has this like <laughs> incredible story where like a psychic, like, she was like doing, um, graphic design work in Arizona and I didn't know had, that. Was, like a psychic told her to move to LA Whoa. and she oh did gosh. And then, yeah and then she was just doing acting classes and then somebody told her about groundlings and um oh and then it just was gosh. this whole thing yeah um yes okay so reality checks out we all have our people um well, okay, so that takes care of the pod. Thank you, Stevie and Dave, so much for coming on today. Um, what an amazing debate, dialogue. Uh, <laughs> excellent debate. So heated. An excellent debate. Thank you. For and I think so you convinced heated. me and I a little bit. Well, I mean, I yeah. think. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm. I really appreciate you having us both on, and it's also, you know, I'm, I'm not immune to to the charms of a movie, even if it's not perfect. And you know, what? If if I could take a little time and feel like I was strolling around in Paris with a baguette and my mm. satchel and a tall woman by my side. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, that wasn't two hours uh, uh, terribly spent. But, you know, uh, get, get me get me the hell out of Queens. That's all I'll say. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, and to a hairdresser. Yes. No offense, but man. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And do you two have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Ooh. Oh. Um, 
Well, definitely listen to our podcast. We are uh, deep in the thick of our third season. It's I Burn Everything, a food and relationship podcast. Uh, definitely leaning more heavily on the relationship side, but you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts. Just mash your face into your phone and you'll spell it out eventually. Um, and then, you know, you can look me up on, on uh, I guess I'm mostly on Twitter these days, but I'm, I just, I mostly just say bullshit. What about you, Stevie? I'm always saying bullshit. Um, and you can find me on everything at I am Stevie Nelson. Uh, but mostly I just want you to listen to our podcast too. You can hear us talking to funny people about relationships and food. Oh, amazing. It's called amazing. I Burn Everything, a food and relationship podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Check those guys out. Check their pod out. And you guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. This was brought to you by Campfire Media. Oh, and P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love Nora Ephron. P.S. I love rom-coms. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrow's will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. I'm balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire.